Welcome to your afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob Port 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. We have Senator John Hovind on the program today. You know, uh, earlier this week, we had on uh, Democratic House candidate Max Schneider. Uh, and then shortly, wait, was that earlier this week or was that last week? Now I'm forgetting. I think it was this week. Yeah, it was this week. Boy, I am just out of it. Uh, yeah, okay, so earlier this week, we had Max Schneider on. Shortly after he was on the program, Marco Rubio came out and kind of said some of the same things Democrats have been saying about the Trump tax cuts, that they're too pro-corporate, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm having Senator John Hoven on. Now, Senator Hoven voted for the tax reform bill in the Senate, and I should add, so did so did Senator Rubio. Senator Heitkamp did not vote for it. Uh, but it kind of seems like Senator Rubio's throwing a lifeline to uh, to, to Democrats, uh, you know, in terms of rhetoric on this issue. So we'll talk with Senator Hovind about that. Uh, plus your phone calls, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. It's, um, well, it's spring, spring cleaning time now. Uh, Eric, you been doing any spring cleaning? We've been doing a little bit, not too much. We've got our uh, cleanup week here in Fargo, Moorhead and West Fargo next week. Although it has not stopped some ding-dongs from sticking their crap out on the berm like a week or two early, which they're not supposed to do. But, yeah, yeah. so we're, I mean, I have spring fever. I've been uh, shuffling stuff around the garage. And it's amazing how much sand and dirt that your vehicle drags into the garage. No, oh, it's so bad. And I don't, have a, I don't have a drain in my garage either, so it's the worst. Oh, I like, don't I try either. to. I try to squeegee it out. Like, I have this squeegee thing. I try to squeegee it out, but you can't keep up with Ours it. Ours was so dry. I waited until it was, I mean, I just did this, like, last week, and I literally took, like, probably three giant scoops of dirt, <laughs> probably it's... about 20 pounds of dirt, out of my garage just from what I drug in during the wintertime. But I'm excited. It seems like we finally turned the corner. We had one uh, chilly temperature we got uh, right around freezing here in Fargo, and I know it was below freezing up north. But now the long-range forecast lows at night look to be all in the 40s. So I think we're we're yeah. getting there. We're getting there. Uh, my favorite part about spring is, is the stuff that people put out on the curb. And it's amazing to me some of the random crap you see out there. Uh, I was just actually reading from a – well, Eugene Grainer. He's been a guest on this program, um, Heartland Investor Services. I was just reading on his Facebook page. Uh, he wrote this about an hour ago. He goes, craziest things seem uh, that people seem to throw away curbside for the city to pick up uh, during cleanup week. An old hot tub. Somebody put a hot tub. I don't want somebody's hot tub. Yeah, somebody put a hot tub out on the curb. Now, here's the thing, though, is this is what he added. And I think he broke an Internet rule by posting this without pictures or videos. You don't get to write. You don't get to describe stuff like this on the Internet unless you have pictures of it. He's describing three city employees trying to load it into the crusher on the back of a garbage truck. Oh, boy. How do you not want to see that? Yeah, I would I would want to see it. I've seen somebody you... put a boat out before, like an they old a boat. fiberglass boat. Yes. Just put it on the curb. Well, I think what they were hoping for is, but there was no trailer. It was just like pulled out to the berm and <laughs> left there. It was like from 1953. <laughs> it's just some ratty... I'd like to see some guy like like I what did he chain himself to the boat and like drag it out there? <laughs> he must have got a bunch of buddies and <laughs> hey, let's see if somebody will come and pick this up. We I don't know if it's as crazy here as it is well, it's crazier here than I think it would be up in Minot because I think there's probably some more sane people up there, but literally I, I kind of envision the Sanford and Son theme in my head and it's truck <laughs> after truck. <laughs> yes. Truck after <laughs> truck after <laughs> truck <laughs> and trailer after trailer. And some of these 
I think there was a story last year that somebody had piled trash like 17 feet high on their trailer. Holy they had so cow. I mean it was it was clearly overstuffed on the trailer, but it's yeah. it's the first man there. It's the, you know it's theirs and they don't want to come back for another trip because they know it's going to be gone if they don't take it now. Yeah. I've had it's some- it's remarkable. I mean it's just it used to be like it might not we just we just changed it. We it used to be you could set stuff out on the curb anytime you wanted. Like you had an old couch or whatever. We didn't have a cleanup week. You just stuck it out there. They'd come and get it. Um, and it was actually pretty awesome. Now we've got special garbage cans we have to use, and it's all automated. Oh. It's not like that anymore. So I believe it was Fargo. Which, which I, don't, I don't understand how we did that. We're paying more for the garbage service, so we're getting less service. I don't know how that works. but <laughs> Progress. Anyway. It's all progress, right? Oh, it's progress, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, progress towards paying more and getting less, I guess. Uh, I, anyway, what's the crazy? I mean, I, I do enjoy it. Like I do, I sometimes like when it's cleanup week, I do enjoy just driving around and seeing the zany stuff people put out. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen out on the curb? Cause it's that time of year, right? It's spring cleanup. Everybody's got a lot of people got that weird thing that's been sitting in the corner of the basement or in, in the garage or whatever. What's the craziest thing you've seen put out? 701-293-9000, 888 Email talk at WDAY.com. The hot tub thing, I just kind of, especially because the, and it's not even so much that somebody put a hot tub out on the curb. It's the fact that they were trying to load it into the garbage truck and crush it. Right. And that's really the most efficient way to get rid of this hot tub? I, I think the boat for me is probably top of the list. I think the funniest thing that I had ever seen, actually I had a friend of mine tell me this. It wasn't that far from the uh, the radio station here. We get a lot of furniture that uh, gets put out. And there was a gentleman that was going around and digging in the cushions for treasures. He wasn't taking the furniture, but the funny part was there was actually a police officer sitting in his car about a half a block away watching this guy just go from furniture couch to couch and just jamming that arm in there as far as he possibly could to see what change he could pull out. And I don't think there's any crime to that. I just, uh, you know, you just I, but there's no I wouldn't even want to reach into my own couch. <laughs> Let alone yeah. somebody else's. Yeah. It, it is amazing how much money you can get out of the couch cushions. I mean, it is. It's remarkable. I don't know how it happens. Well, I, I know how it happens. You would think our pockets would be that bad, that it's all falling out. Mm-hmm. But no, there's usually get a couple bucks out of there. Um, yeah, that's a good story. I, I um, In terms of, there's actually, there's actually if, if you can believe it, there's actually like court cases. There's jurisprudence on the ownership of trash that that you've put out on the curb and and a lot of it actually circles around like a fourth amendment question like if you put trash out there and the police come and grab it and go through your trash looking for evidence have they violated your privacy who owns that trash once you put it out on the curb there's actually there's there's like like it's it's a it's sort of a legal gray area i'm trying to figure out because we've had that pop up and actually well i don't want to get too far into a story but i was actually involved in kind of turning some people we thought in for possible drugs. And the police actually came and, and later on checked through the garbage. And yeah. so I think, I, I I don't know, each state may be different. I would imagine in some states you would need a search warrant to go through the garbage. And in other states, yeah. once it's the can is out on the curbside, it might be fair game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you put something out on the curb for the trash guys to take it, I mean, you're basically giving up your ownership of it, right? I mean, that's why during spring week, people are driving around you know, finding other people's goodies. I don't think I've ever taken anything from a curb. 
I don't I don't know like not even not even back in my younger days when you know I wouldn't have maybe have minded a second you know when I was mm-hmm. literally using secondhand furniture I don't know that I ever took anything off the curb my kids brought home an exercise bike once but it was like the the 60s version it was like an awful brown and it was one of those single seat yeah. where you get on there with one wheel and you could turn the knob to put the there was a belt around the wheel to adjust the tension that sat in my garage for like 5 years and then I'm finally like yeah it's time to put it back out on the curb yeah <laughs> never never that. got used i had a uh, my sister dated a guy who was a garbage man for a while he would find stuff all the time he would find stuff all the time he was always coming home with stuff like boom boxes and whatever it still worked it's amazing what people will throw away. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I'm going to take a little break. We'll be right back after this on The Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. You know what else I've been doing this morning? I've had a long, drawn-out Facebook discussion with the Democratic Public Service Commission candidate. Isn't that a great thing about living in North Dakota? Like, just randomly statewide candidates just show up in your comments? <laughs> Trying to decide whether I'd want to watch paint dry or have a conversation with them. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I care about this stuff, and you should too. These people make important public policy. Although we were debating the oil tax situation, which, which by the way, it is remarkable to me how invested North Dakota Democrats are in, in promoting the idea that the oil tax reforms passed in 2015 cost the state money. I Listen, I, I get, and this is what Casey Buckman, I mean, this is what, and I like Casey. I'm not running Casey down. Uh, but this is, this is uh, he showed up on Facebook, uh, in one of my Facebook posts, and this is what he, I mean, this is what he's promoting, is the idea that, that the oil tax reforms passed in North Dakota in 2015 cost North Dakota money. I've even seen some Democrats go so far as to suggest that it's contributing to the current budget shortfalls, which is incorrect on a number of fronts, not the least of which is the fact that oil tax revenues are capped at $300 million in terms of flowing into the general fund, the general fund being essentially the budget, the general fund or the state's expenditures and revenues. Only $300 million per biennium of oil and tax revenues Go into the general fund. The rest of it go into the various special funds, legacy fund, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we have never missed that cap. I mean, even, even when oil tax revenues plunged because prices plunged, we never missed that $300 million cap. We'll probably never miss that $300 million cap. We're always going to hit that cap. So the idea that, that dropping oil tax revenues contributed to the state's budget shortfalls is, is nonsense. Gotta but be even careful. beyond that. Got to be careful to use the word never, though, because if oil drops way back down again, you'll be seeing some of those oil All right, valves maybe. shut okay. back off not, not, not in the foreseeable future. I mean, right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've been tracking some of that. I was just reading a, a, a column by Stephen Moore, and, I mean, we're, we're getting back to the point where uh, OPEC doesn't have the control over the global oil markets the way they used to. Which is great. Right? And, and, and the United States, I mean, we're reaching a point where we are going to become a net oil exporter again. We are very, very close to that. I mean, we had a time we had we had declining domestic production for so long. You know, I mean, that was the big thing is is we, we got to get off. We got to end the nation's addiction oil. Well, now we're going to be a net oil exporter. We're going to export more oil, more oil from the United States from, by the way, the number one economy in the world. We're going to export more oil than we consume. 
And what I didn't know until the other day, a story came out from the Associated Press that our oil production numbers are back basically where they were at its peak. In yeah. fact, I think we'll actually be setting records very shortly. The The number that I saw is is our oil production is up 75 percent since 2004. 75 percent and a lot of it's a lot of it's it's north dakota it's other it's it's shale it's shale oil and fracking we figured out how to tap into oil reserves that previously we couldn't get to you know it just wasn't either either because you know it wasn't profitable to get to them uh we just about we just got better at it right and there's a whole there's a whole thing we could go into there about malthusian economics and and the people like peak oil theory and and people not taking into account humanity's endless capacity to invent and innovate. Um, but that's a whole thing that we probably don't need to get into. Here in North Dakota, for the foreseeable future, oil is going to be pretty strong, right, because we're exporting oil now. In 2016, we saw the end of the oil, um, of, of the ban on oil, crude oil exports, so we can export the oil now. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So anyway, back back to my point. Democrats, I mean, it's a big talking point, right? I mean, you, you hear it all the time. Democrats saying, well, North, North Dakota Republicans giving handouts to big oil. They didn't give a handout to big oil. And it's amazing because here I'm arguing with Casey Buckman, North Dakota Democratic Party candidate for public service commission, who's telling me that the oil industry got a tax break in North Dakota. No, they didn't. In 2015, the Republican-controlled legislature, with a couple of votes from Democrats, lowered the top extraction point from uh, and lowered the top combined extraction and production tax from 11.5% to 10%. But they also got rid of the trigger exemption. And Democrats just want to focus on that rate and not look at at the exemption. And what was amazing to me, Eric, you're going to like this because I was talking to Casey, and somehow the Trump tax cuts came up, right? And he said, well, I didn't get a tax cut from the Trump tax cuts because they did away with a bunch of my deductions, and now I owe more in taxes. And I said, well, yes, that's exactly what happened to the North Dakota oil industry. The Trump tax cuts reduced your rate, but because it got rid of a bunch of deductions, your effective tax rate, your tax bill, went up, right? That can happen sometimes, depending on your tax situation. Well, that's what happened to the oil industry. We got rid of a massive exemption that was triggered by low oil prices. Well, it turns out that trigger would have been in place from January 2016 to present. It would still It's still in place now. And so the thing is, is that they would have been paying half the tax, right? They would have been paying essentially a half tax all this time. But they weren't because we got rid of that exemption. They're paying a lower top rate, but, but they're effective. They're net. What they have paid is, I mean, they paid more than a billion dollars in additional revenues. Now, if you're the Democrats, I, I get you wanted it to be an even bigger tax hike, right? You wanted to keep that top rate high, and you wanted it to be an even larger tax hike. Now, I don't think that's good reform, and we can have a debate about it, but that's a, that's a, that's a legitimate position. I don't agree with it, but fine. But what you don't get to say is that the oil tax reforms passed in 2015 lowered the state's revenues. They did not. They did not. And yet you hear it everywhere. Everywhere. Democrats. And it's, I mean, to me, I think it's becoming one of those things. I think it's just something they think that if they keep repeating it over and over and over and over again, that people will just accept it as true. Just accept it as as received truth from on high. It's amazing because that happens a lot in politics. You see people just just repeat. I I think Republicans do it with the idea that, like, tax cuts pay for themselves. Uh, They can. 
depending on what the rates were in certain economic conditions, you can lower it, you know, for instance, lower income tax rates and see revenues increase. It can happen, but it doesn't always happen. They don't always pay for themselves. The Laffer curve doesn't always work. Sometimes you're at a different place on the curve. So tax cuts do not always pay for themselves. And yet there are Republicans who take it as an article of faith that they do. They don't. Just as Democrats want to tell us that these oil tax cuts in North Dakota reduced revenues. No, it didn't. It's amazing because, I mean, every time I see this in some letter to the editor from, from a Democratic operative or I hear some, some you know, left-wing commentator in the state talking about it or I hear some Democratic candidate talking about it, it's not true. It's just not true. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, I think we're going to continue to hear about it all election year. All election year, because, I mean, we're in a situation, Governor Burgum, uh, last month, came out and he issued new budget guidelines. He's calling for state agencies to to produce proposed budgets uh, that incorporate 5 to 10% cuts, right? So we're in a situation, we've just come through two budget cycles of, of budget cuts. Uh, Governor Burgum is saying, let's let's plan for more at this point. We'll see what actually happens next spring. But right now, Governor Burgum is saying plan for more. Well, I think Democrats see a political opportunity. They want to talk about Republican budget mismanagement, which I think is a perfectly fair thing to talk about because Republicans did mismanage the budget. But the problem is, is their talking points on this is, well, Republicans cut income taxes too far, and they, they cut taxes for big oil. Well, the income tax thing we could talk about, they were actually modest cuts, not costing us that much revenue, but the oil tax thing didn't lose us any revenue at all. Again, not only have we hit that cap on oil tax revenues flowing into the general fund at $300 million per biennium, that's a statutory cap, you know, we're, we're hitting that cap every time. So we've never lost revenues to the general fund. But B, the tax reforms passed in 2015 actually increased revenues. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a falsehood. I mean, it's just a falsehood. And they, they hope that if they keep telling you this falsehood over and over again and just sort of belligerently refusing to accept the math, right? I, and I'm not, I'm not making an ideological argument here. This is not like, like some conservative philosophical argument that I see this is true and they see this is true. No, this is arithmetic. This is one in one equals two. I, it's, I don't know. It, uh, nothing, nothing I think drives me nuts. I've got a thick skin. I don't mind. I like talking politics. I think it's a lot of fun. Nothing drives me more nuts, though, than people who just refuse to accept that a fact is true. Because it is. It is true. Anyway, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You're going to hear Democrats, North Dakotans, you're going to hear Democrats say, Republicans cut taxes for big oil. And what you could say, and you'll be factually correct, is no. <laughs> no, they didn't. More to come straight ahead. Don't go away. Eric, here's some breaking news. You know, we had we had talked about uh, President Donald Trump and his role uh, in role in, in, in sort of the the flowering of, of, of diplomatic talks between North and South Korea. Uh, and some people coming out, notably Senator Lindsey Graham coming out and saying that 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 development should put President Trump in line for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think this, you know, the, the uh, President Moon from South Korea has even said that that he thinks that President Trump might deserve the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, breaking news: there is a group of members of Congress, uh, led by Representative Luke Messer, 
uh, who have signed a letter to the Nobel Prize Committee in Norway uh, and nominated President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, by the way, a resident of Luke Messer from Indiana's 6th District. Um, among the people signing the letter is uh, North Dakota's own uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer. So here we have um, basically uh, members of Congress nominating President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. Do you think that that's deserved? Do you think that President Trump is somebody who should get the Nobel Peace Prize? I think he's in the right realm. I think he should be recognized for the work that he did. Yeah. I I, I think he – my position is I think he could deserve it. Um, My problem with this letter – and by the way, this is I, – I wasn't so sure when I saw this news break. Uh, and by the way, I, re, I just I just put up a post about it over the break at sayanythingblog.com if you want to see the letter. Um. I actually like I I didn't I didn't know is this actually how people get nominated? Can members of Congress nominate for the Nobel Peace Prize? I wasn't sure. Um, turns out they can. Looked it up on the Nobel Prize website. Uh, among those who can nominate for the Peace Prize, and you got to remember, there's there's the Nobel Prize in like a number. Of, the Peace Prize is probably the most famous, but there's a Nobel Prize in a number of areas. You know, a lot of them like academic, like mathematics and things like that. Um, for the Peace Prize specifically, among those who can nominate are members of national assemblies and national government. So that would be members of Congress. So here you have uh, 17, uh, I suppose 18, 18 totals, uh, 17 plus uh, the the letter author, Representative Luke Messer of Indiana, uh, signing on to nominate President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. So that is how it works. He is. This is a legit nomination. Um, my argument is it's it's premature. My argument is it's premature. I don't I don't know that he deserves it yet. I mean, because to me, yeah, great. Things are going great between North and South Korea. Uh, but we're also talking about a notoriously politically volatile North Korea. It would look a little silly if he got the Nobel Peace Prize and everything collapsed. You know, I would like to see some outcome. You know, I, w- I would like to see what comes of it. You know, I, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I'm not against giving Donald Trump the Nobel Peace Prize. I, I just want to I want to know that he actually accomplished something first. Which I don't think is unfair, Eric. No, I don't think so. I, I think he should be recommended. I doubt he will win, but just a kind of a same on the uh, kind of in the same vein. I do think this this might be the only opportunity for Kim Jong Un to actually stay in power, though. If he gets smart and figures out a way to make this peace process work, then it would be hard for the countries that don't like him to get him thrown out now. The yeah. excuse would have been the nuclear program and if he'd have kept down the same way that he was going. But right now, if he flips the leaf and he starts acting humane towards his own people, he gets rid of the well, nuclear program. He- I had I had read somewhere that they may have already <laughs> may have already accidentally destroyed their nuclear program. Did you hear this? I did not. There's a mountain that they do their nuclear tests under, that they like like they explode nuclear bombs under this mountain, right? Uh, and they've done it so many times that apparently the mountain collapsed. Oops. <laughs> like like structurally the mountain collapsed. Wow. And they think they think that when it happened it may have actually destroyed a good chunk of their nuclear program. Well, not to mention the other part of it, and I don't think they really care, but there's probably some sort of radiation emitting from yeah. that area. I imagine. Um but here's the thing though. I mean if if oh, okay, I mean maybe maybe Kim Jong un I I'm sure he's thinking politically. I'm sure he's thinking how best can I cling to power. I mean, listen, if we if we can just just move them towards a de- better diplomatic footing with the rest of the world and, and get to a point where we can talk instead of threaten, that's a win. Even if he stays in power, 
to me, that's a win. Uh, and, and maybe even we can get to a point where, okay, he stays in power for the rest of his life, but once he's gone, then North Koreans can, uh, can elect and, and move to a, a truly representative form of government uh, and elect people to come next. But that's where China doesn't want that to happen, though. They don't yeah. want a democratic society right next to their border. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of why they've always been the big brother to North Korea. I don't know that they've always agreed with everything that Kim Jong-un does, but they don't want a Western alliance right there on the border with them. I right. think they'd rather have that kind of dictatorship style. Yeah. Anyway, things are improving, and I, I just I, I do think it's too premature. I, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned, but I think people should, should do things before they get an award. I'm not a big one on the everybody gets a trophy thing. Um, I don't think President Trump should should get the Nobel Peace Prize. So I, I don't know. I disagree with what Congressman Kramer, because uh, he's one of the North Dakota Congressman uh, Kevin Kramer is one of those signing on to this letter. Uh, I'm trying to, to see if there's anybody else. Uh, but look at how many region. administrations tried to bring peace to that area. I mean, we're going back several presidents yeah. here and it's never happened. And Donald Trump, as goofy as he is, seems to have possibly figured out a way to make this happen. He is, uh, he is first, uh, he's, I, 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 he has made more progress than any other president. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 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 I give him all the credit in the world for that. It's amazing. Good for him. You know, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade here at Trump. I'm just saying, let's look, let's wait for an outcome. Let's get to a point where there's an actual outcome that we can point to and say, okay, you know, some, some, I don't think we're further. I don't, I don't think we've accomplished enough yet to reach that, you know, and that's, that's me. I also oppose president Obama getting the Nobel peace prize. I don't think. Uh, I mean, if you want to give it to him later in his career, fine. We can have a debate about that. Uh, but they gave it to him basically right after he got elected. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not real keen on giving politicians something as prestigious as the Nobel Peace Prize for winning an election. Speaking of which, it is kind of funny. I, I here's here's something that we can watch out for, Eric. This is this will be fun. Um, for a long time since Obama, since people like President Obama. Al Gore, people like that won the Nobel Peace Prize. There was a lot of rhetoric from conservative-type people running down the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, oh, it's not worth anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Who cares? Uh, I tell you, I bet you a lot of people are going to do a 180 if Trump wins it. If Trump wins the Nobel Peace Prize, there's going to be a lot of conservatives who think it's the greatest thing in the world. I think it's I, – and I, I think that'll be hilarious. It'll be hypocritical as heck. Um, and, and I listen – I think the Nobel Peace Prize wins a lot. I think it's still significant, um, but I don't know. why. Whether or not Trump deserves it, jury's still out for me. We got Karen on the line. Karen, what's on? Uh, what's up? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. must be turning in his grave. Donald Trump possibly being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize? I hope not. Well, if he brings North and South Korea together, you don't think he deserve it, Karen? Well, so far, I think the Olympics made more progress than him in getting South Korea and North Korea together. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's fair. But, I mean, here here's the thing, though. South Korean President Moon said President Trump absolutely does. I mean, this is, this is one of the one of the presidents involved in this, says President Trump absolutely deserves credit. Mm. Who are we to doubt him? Well, he may say that, and his word is better than a group of Republicans in Congress, but I still don't agree. All right. Fair enough, Karen. Thanks for the call. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Congressman Kevin Kramer joining a group of uh, other members of Congress, uh, 18 in total, including Kramer, 
nominating uh, President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. And yes, that is how the nomination process works. That's uh, members of Congress, uh, members of, of national government, and members of national assemblies are allowed to nominate people to the Nobel Prize Committee. So uh, what do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port, 970 WDAY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Um, listeners sent me an email during the break. We were talking about Congressman Kevin Kramer uh, joining uh, a group of uh, fellow Republicans in nominating President Donald Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. That And, yes, that is, in fact, how the nominating process works. Uh, members of, of national governments and national assemblies can nominate to the, the, the prize committee. Um, somebody emailed during the break and, and made this point, saying that, that President Trump uh, was instrumental in getting China which Eric, as, as you mentioned, was is is part of of sort of the, the coalition that has long backed, uh, long backed the North Korean regime was instrumental in getting China to go along with with unprecedented economic sanctions against North Korea. So I mean that's, um, you know, really uh, you, your your point was you know talking about China, um, really got China to go along with it, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that talks had gone this way. I was rereading the letter. Uh, that, that Congressman Kramer signed on with. Uh, and, and the author of the letter is a United States Congressman Luke Messer. He's a Republican from Indiana, uh, Indiana's 6th District. Um, the letter mentions that, that they're even going so far as to talk about reuniting North Korea. I mean, that's... Or, or excuse me, reuniting Korea. Like, not having a North and South Korea anymore. Having a, a united Korea. Uh, that... I, I, Maybe a pipe dream. That but, might I mean, be a bit of a pipe dream, but... If they're talking, I mean, the idea that, I mean, if North Korea is even engaging on those sorts of talks, mm-hmm. though, holy cow. Pretty pretty amazing. I, I mean, it's just I that, that they'd so. even be willing to talk about it. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about China is, is, you know, they put sanctions in place before, but it's been these phantom, you know, right things that they put in place that they actually didn't follow through on. But uh, this time uh, they definitely did. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think uh, I think it's hard. I mean, whatever you want to think about Donald Trump, it's hard to argue that I, I think he was he was a big part of this. He was involved. He deserves credit. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. By the way, speaking of Donald Trump, I don't think it's exactly news that we're going to be seeing Trump on the campaign trail here in North Dakota. Um, in fact, I've, I've spoken with NDGOP officials who told me they, they expect him here probably stumping a couple of times. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking more than once. He'll be here. Well, that had um, to have been in the promise to get Kevin Kramer to change his mind. I mean, it had I, to have been fairly significant for him to go. It had to be part of the. Yes. Yeah. It had to be part of the inducement. Right. I mean, it had to be, you know, Kramer saying, listen, if I run, um, you know, <laughs> you better help me out. Because uh, it is. I mean, whatever you think of Senator Heidi Heitkamp, it's it's a it's 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 going to be a slugfest. She's a tough opponent, no matter she what. She is. You, yeah. No matter She's what you think about her, she is. Um, so anyway, here's here's a report though. If we needed confirmation, this is from uh, Bloomberg White House reporter Jennifer Jacobs. Uh, she is saying that uh, a Trump spokesman, and by the name of Raj Shah, he's a, a deputy. Um, a, uh, a deputy press secretary for President Trump telling a uh, a uh, Indiana Indian Indiana radio station that um, 
Trump is going to campaign against Democrats who have blocked his nominees. Uh, and he specifically named Joe Donnelly in Indiana and Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Uh, it's part of the planning, Shaw said. So here you have, um, you know, specifically saying now I, I think that this is I think that this is interesting. I mean, on a couple of fronts, the first front being campaigning against Heidi Heitkamp as being sort of an obstructionist to the Trump agenda. Uh, I went and looked. Uh, the New York Times actually tracked the votes on Trump's nominees and Heitkamp voted more often than any other Democrat in the Senate, uh, with the exception of Joe Manchin for Trump's nominees. I mean, so she's one of the most pro-Trump members of the Democratic caucus in the Senate. Overall, her overall voting record on, on public policy uh, has, is also very uh, pro-Trump. Uh, only Again, only Manchin from West Virginia and uh, Senator Doug Jones recently elected in Alabama. Now, remember, he was just elected in December, so he hasn't cast as many votes uh, as, as Heitkamp and Manchin. But, but they're the only two who have a more pro-Trump voting record. Uh, I think she's at like 55.7% voting with Trump 55.7% of the time, so most of the time. Now, of course, um, the Republican who votes least with Trump is Senator Rand Paul. He's at 746 so a big gap there, uh, and maybe that gap is the difference. But I just think it's interesting, you know, Republicans painting Heitkamp as sort of this, this anti-Trump figure, um, and at least in terms of other Democrats in her caucus, she's kind of not. Uh, but now, here's the but. Senator Heitkamp and I, I think other Democrats like House candidate Max Schneider, they have made part of their election strategy this year is, is to not be anti-Trump. Uh, you know, they've specifically come out and said we're not campaigning against Trump. They don't want to campaign for Trump, right? I, I think it's always interesting. If, if you really want to understand what's going on, read between the lines of, of politicians' actions because they pull this stuff relentlessly. They research this stuff relentlessly, and if they're making a move, if they're making a statement, it's calculated. It's for a reason. There is a reason why Democratic candidates hoping to win on the statewide ballot this fall, Heidi Heitkamp and, and, and uh, Max Schneider for the Senate and House, there's a reason why they have been tiptoeing around Donald Trump. That is because he's very popular in our state. There's a reason why Heidi Heitkamp's been out touting the fact that Trump considered her for his cabinet. There's a reason she's been out there telling that story about how Trump supposedly asked her to switch parties. There's a reason why she's highlighting this stuff. She wants to look like she's friendly to Donald Trump. So if Trump comes into the state... And this is why I think Trump being effective. Somebody was asking me, well, a reporter in the state was asking me how effective I thought Donald Trump would be in helping Kevin Kramer, how much impact he might actually have on the race. I think he'll have a great deal of impact on the race if he comes in campaigns in North Dakota against Heidi Heitkamp, against Max Schneider. I think he'll have a lot of impact, and I think the reason he will is because of the strategy Democrats have taken, sort of sort of distancing themselves from their national party's anti-Trump stance, uh, positioning themselves as somebody who would work against Trump. If Trump himself is here campaigning against them, it hurts that strategy. Now, there's a reason why Democrats have deployed that strategy. They've done the research. They've looked at the numbers. They've done the polling. They think it'll work. It's a lot less likely to work if the guy they're saying that they're going to work with comes here and campaigns against them. So, so I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't always know. I, even Trump himself, I, I don't know that he's helped. I mean, you look at some of these special elections, I don't know that Trump has been all that helpful when he's sort of parachuted in to try to help the candidate. I think he might be pretty helpful here in North Dakota, though, based on, on the criteria that I just told you about. 
All right, that's it for hour one. Senator John Hovind joins me next. We're going to talk about tax reform here. We might ask him about this Nobel Prize thing, too. Uh, this is the Rob Report. More to come straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back. Hour two, Rob Report, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. If you want to, uh, about to uh, speak with Senator John Hovind, if you want to join the discussion, you can at any time. 701 293 9000, 888 970 9329. Email talk at wday.com, or you can tweet me at Rob Port. Uh, Senator Hovind, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Rob. Good to be with you. Say, I just during the show, a, a little bit of breaking news. Representative Luke Messer has uh, promoted a letter, uh, basically to, to the Nobel Prize Committee, um, nominating President Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize for his uh, his work on North Korea South Korea um, relations. Congressman Kevin Kramer, one of the uh, one of the eighteen signatories on that letter. Uh, you have any thoughts about that? Your colleague Senator Lindsey Graham has said as well that that President Trump, if go well might deserve the nobel peace prize do you have any thoughts on that front well yeah i mean if he can uh, denuclearize the uh, korean peninsula then certainly and obviously that's what he's trying to do and he's uh making some progress so we have to be very clear-eyed about this and very realistic about kim jong-un and what north korea how they've approached this in the past uh but yeah certainly if we can get denuclearization uh, of the peninsula yes all right. Well, that's not what I have brought you on to talk about. I actually brought you on to talk about remarks made by uh, another one of your colleagues, Senator Marco Rubio. Now, earlier this week, I had uh, Democratic U.S. House candidate Max Schneider on this program, and we were talking about the tax reform. And, and Mac was telling me that he felt that tax reform was too pro corporate. I'm, I'm at like, like the conservative commentator I am was grumbling to myself. Well, of course the Democrat's <laughs> going to say, of course the Democrat's going to say that. Uh, and so I was busy posting the podcast after and came across a news article where we had Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, um, saying the same thing. Now, to be clear, Senator Rubio voted for the tax reform bill. He did say it was an improvement over what was the status quo prior to that reform. Uh, but he said he did feel the tax cuts were too were tilted too much in favor of corporations. Now, here you have, you know, certainly Democrats here in North Dakota who I, I think are trying to justify uh, Senator Heitkamp's vote against the tax bill by saying it was too pro-corporate. You have Senator Rubio sort of using the same rhetoric. Um, do you think Senator Rubio's right? Well, Rubio supported the bill, and what he was trying to do is increase the child tax credit. I think he actually... Uh, when he started his push, we were about we were increasing it from a thousand to fourteen hundred per child, um, and they started that push. He, I think he wanted twenty five hundred. We ended up at two thousand, and so I, I think that's what he was referring to. But remember that child tax credit—that's two thousand per child uh, credit against your taxes, and it's what's called a refundable tax credit, meaning if you don't have two thousand dollars worth of tax you pay, you actually still get a refund from the government you get paid that difference and so i mean when you when you look at that and the rate reductions uh you know it's a significant tax savings for for families and and for working people across this country matter of fact rob i don't know if you saw but brookings brought out a study north dakota comes out number one the best under this tax relief plan i average about twenty one hundred dollars uh, in tax yeah. relief. So yeah, it, it's did, important for the country. It's certainly good for North Dakota. I, I did see that. I actually wrote about it at sayanythingblog.com. You must have missed it in the uh, in the email, Senator. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, Well, I, you know, it, I, I, 
I, I think you're right. And, and I, I, again, it is worth not- noting that, that Senator Rubio did vote for the bill. Politically speaking, though, because I think you're talking very policy-wise, and it is an election year, though, and the reality is that people who win elections are the people who get to govern. Politically speaking, I mean, Senator Rubio, it almost kind of seems like he threw a lifeline to Democrats like Senator Heitkamp in places like North Dakota who are trying to explain their vote against this bill uh, to a generally Republican electorate. I mean, didn't didn't Rubio kind of help out Senator Heitkamp? Well, right, and and really the context he should have put it in is, and, you know, we'll we'll see what his additional comments are. I I really haven't seen much coverage of that. Um, I know Senator Schumer was trying to push it a little bit. But really the context that uh, Senator Rubio should have put it in is, look, when you reduce the rates on uh, C-Corps and on pass-throughs, you have the 20% distribution deduction on pass-throughs, that creates jobs, and really, this was the the tax relief or tax cuts and jobs act. So the idea is that uh, people are going to benefit not just from lower taxes, but from more jobs and better paying jobs. Our big push was not only to have tax relief, but to get higher wages, and that's what we're seeing happen. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. We've seen a lot of, I mean, from from our Democratic friends, we've seen a lot of pushback though. People saying that that uh, you know, for instance, a big thing that I'm seeing now is that corporations buying up stock. The amount of money that they've spent on that has far outweighed what they have put into, uh, say, expanding benefits for employees or sending out bonuses or the like, which certainly Republicans were touting in the wake of the tax bill passing. You know, they're saying that the corporations are doing more with that money to help themselves than they are to help their workers, that being sort of a talking point. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? Well, Rob, as you know, there's always going to be the debate that goes on. But, I mean, you can't just look at, at the bonuses and so forth that companies are giving. And you've seen a lot of them. You know, even here in North Dakota, I mean, well-known companies, whether it's somebody like uh, Walmart or, you know, some of the banks and other companies, you know, the the uh, the bonuses and so forth that they have given up, that's good. But remember, what we're really after is more jobs, and more jobs is what uh, pushes wages higher. The bidding for labor is what pushes wages higher. So you, you're seeing a growth in jobs across this country. And you're seeing growth in the economy. Our, our economic growth rate is above what joint tax and CBO have predicted already. That not only means more jobs and higher wages as you bid for labor, but it also is what actually helps with the debt and deficit. So go back to the other argument the Democrats make about the deficit. CBO projected a 1.9% GDP growth rate. We're already well above that. All we have to average is a little over two, and we not only pay for it, we actually over the 10 years reduce the deficit. Same thing, the point I made earlier. Remember, it's the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. More jobs, higher wages. You benefit not only from lower taxes, but higher wages. And, hey, that's a debate we're going to love to have all day long. I, I think so. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I, I, I think the tax, I think the reforms passed, while not perfect, were good policy. And I and I think even that's what Senator Rubio was saying. And, you know, I mean, he, he did, again, vote for for the bill. Uh, but, but you know, I, I, th- I think maybe he would have made some changes. But he did vote for the overall bill, and he did say it was an improvement. And I think that's the case to make uh, to the American people, particularly coming out of this polarized, divided Congress. Uh, you're never going to get everything you want. 
Well, but it comes down to your philosophy, Rob. I mean, if you want more money to go to the government and have them to decide how to spend it, then I guess you like higher taxes, bigger government, and more government control. If you want to have people have more money and decide how they spend their dollars, then you cut the regulatory burden, you cut taxes, and that's what we're doing. I think it's interesting, and I and I wonder because and, and again, this is sort of a as you just mentioned, I, I think maybe sort of a philosophical outlook. It's interesting when I look at some of the Democratic rhetoric coming from people like Senator Heitkamp, people like like uh, like Max Schneider running for the U.S. House. Uh, what they are saying is, you know, j- just sort of the the assumption that tax relief for corporations is, is is an inherently unfair or or an inherently bad thing. And I'm thinking to myself, well. A lot of us are customer. We're all customers of corporations. A lot of us work for corporations. A lot of us uh, are invested in, in corporations. Our retirement plans or other sorts of investments are invested in them. Why is it such a bad thing? And, and again, it's it's not just about pay for employees and bonuses, although those are very important things. It's also about, and I don't hear enough people talking about this. It's also about make American economy competitive on the national stage. I mean, I think President Trump, I, one of the one of the parts of his campaign message, I think that resonated the most with Americans was his talk about, you know, making the American economy great again. I think that's very much a part of his make America great again message. Most a lot of that has sort of focused on his his work on trade, which is another thing. I don't think what's got nearly enough attention is is North Dakota is, is excuse me, is America's tax climate competitive you know i think this moved us towards a more competitive climate and that has all sorts of of implications from you know bringing jobs back to america bringing you know corporate profits back within our borders things like that exactly even cbo said it would bring back more than uh two trillion dollars of investment back to this country versus investment overseas you're already seeing that that means jobs and so again that's why i go back to the growth rate Remember, if what we're talking about is a, a bigger economy, an economy that grows faster, so even with lower tax rates, you still end up with more tax revenue because you have more earnings. So people have higher wages, so even with lower tax rates, you still generate that revenue. And, and that's the secret of the rising tide that lifts all boats. And so elections are about choices. And that's exactly what we should have is a choice. Do you want somebody who's going to run for office and vote against a tax cut wants higher taxes, more government? Or do you want somebody that's going to cut the regulatory burden, cut the taxes, and try to give people more control uh, over, you know, their own destiny, whether it's, you know, their work or, or anything else? Uh, can I ask you this question? I, uh, and this, this is, a, again, another, another shift. But I was reading before the show, I was reading a, a column from my, uh, my colleague, Mike McFeely, uh, and in it, he was sort of he's talking about Attorney General Sessions' recent visit and, and the praise that that AG Sessions had for our current U.S. Attorney Christopher Myers. Uh, and in it, he you know his his position was why do we why should we move on from Chris Myers? You know why should we want somebody like uh, like Drew Wrigley to be appointed U.S. Attorney? We already have a really good U.S. Attorney, and I, I guess that argument aside, I I don't know that I buy into that. Um, my what I'm wondering though is what what's going on with this U.S. Attorney appointment? Why is this dragging out so long? Well, first off, you know, Mike's kind of making an argument that's not really there. Uh, Drew Wrigley and uh, Chris Myers are good friends. They worked together before, and the issue isn't are you going to get one or the other. The issue is if Drew's nominated by the president to that position, you get them both. So, you know, I mean, there's not really much of an issue there. They get along, and the only question is whether you're actually going to have both of them uh, working on our behalf, and they're 
and they're both uh, good people that do good work. So that, that, that base has already been covered with them. And, the, yeah, we've talked to the administration. Uh, I think they will move forward with their appointment soon, but they haven't done that yet. I mean, but we've been hearing that for a while that they're going to move forward to it. I mean, are you? Are you? I guess it just seems curious. I mean, I I don't understand. I mean, they've got their man. I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming everything went well in terms of the you know the the vetting and all of that. I mean, certainly Drew was uh, was U.S. Attorney before. Uh, yeah. We know he could do the job. He did a pretty good yeah. job before. So you know why? I mean, at this point, what's the hold up? I mean, what what's going on? Uh, you know, they're making a lot of appointments. Uh, a lot of nominations, and I, and I really can't tell you other than we we have, you know, uh, advanced his name, and and it, it, you know they're making that decision. As far as I know, things have gone fine. So, Rob, I, I really don't have a response for you beyond that. All right, uh, and then I had a question from from a listener just real quick. How do we end up with both Myers and Wrigley? Uh, if 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 we get if Wrigley gets nominated, right. Myers stays in the office. Right. No, he, he absolutely remember. Chris did not put his name in for the regular nomination process. He's under the civil service approach, and he didn't want that to change because, remember, nominees tend to come and go with the administration. So he is career or civil service in that role, so he didn't apply to be the nominee where you're appointed by the president and then confirmed by the Senate. And so that's the process that Drew uh, uh, you know, in essence, is going through or is standing for. So that's how you'd have them both. Gotcha. And that's All right. They, and Senator- that's what they, I mean, they talked about it. That was the approach they came to. And so that's how we've handled it. All right, Senator, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Okay, Rob. Good to be with you. That's Senator John Hoven. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Just finished up with uh, Senator Hoven. Um, earlier in the program, we were talking about the oil tax thing and, and Democrats insisting that the tax cuts were a giveaway to the oil industry. Joe emails. He says the trigger was put in 40 years ago. It was going to get removed regardless since the factors surrounding the oil play were very different at that time. The trigger was not even implemented as state Congress killed the trigger before it went into effect so the oil companies never received any benefit from it. That is the baseline. The lower tax trigger never affected our budget. Uh, then Congress lowered their – I think it's funny that we're calling the legislature Congress here. It's, it's the legislature. It's the state assembly, technically. Uh, then Congress uh, or lowered their rate. Uh, they were actually paying by 1.5%. You can play with the numbers and forecasted budgets, except you are pretending the trigger actually cost us a billion. It didn't as they stepped in to remove it beforehand. There was no doubt the trigger was being removed. The 1.5% lowering of the extraction tax was a giveaway. Uh, I don't I don't know where we're getting this assumption that there was no doubt that the trigger was going to be removed. Part of moving that legislation through the legislature was getting uh, the rate reduction on the top half. That's how compromise is made, right? If you remove, listen, the oil industry didn't want the trigger to go away. They would have been happy for it to stay in place. They'd have been paying a much lower tax. As a matter of fact, they've been paying a billion dollars less in taxes all this time since January 2016. Uh, they would have been happy to leave the trigger in place. And there's a lot of lawmakers uh, that would have been happy to let that happen. In order to get the compromise through, you got to give a little to get a little. So what the state got back is we got rid of the trigger, Joe. We got rid of the trigger, uh, and in exchange for that, they got a lower top rate. Now, you could say, oh, well, the trigger never went into effect. Well, it would have if we had done nothing. 
My argument is that if the legislature didn't act, we would have had more than a billion dollars less in revenue since January 2016. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. I'm, I'm sorry it's inconvenient. I'm sorry that the Democrats have made up this talking point that is effectively a lie. They've made it up, and they're putting it out there because they want to go out and say, oh, look, Republicans cut taxes for big oil, even if that were true. I don't know how effective a talking point that is in a place like North Dakota, but whatever. They want to have that talking point. Unfortunately, it's based on something that's not true. You don't get to look at the law that passed in 2015 and only count one part of it and not the other. You, you don't get to look at that law and say, well, I'm going to ignore this change that the law made and only focus on this other change that supports my talking point. You don't get to do that. The law passed in 2015 did two things. It got rid of the trigger exemption and lowered the top tax. You have to look at both of those things. The net result of both of those changes made in the law is it more than a billion dollars in additional revenue for the state. Full stop. Anybody saying that this costs the state money, anybody saying that this was a handout to the oil industry is a liar. It was not. The net result since January, more than a year now, since January 2016, the president has more than a billion dollars in additional revenue. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, let's see, where are we going here? Uh, we're talking about Trump and the... Um, Trump and the Nobel Prize thing, uh, I still think, oh, here's a, here's a fun story. This is in the forum today. Uh, we're coming into campaign season, and Eric, what's a staple of campaign season? But yard signs. Okay. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I think yard signs are kind of dumb. I get why people do them, but. I'm not a big fan of it. I guess when you're talking about the Fargo City Commission election, you need them just to keep tabs on all 17,000 candidates. <laughs> I got I to imagine there's people driving up the street like, who is that now? Yeah. <laughs> like finding I, candidates they weren't even aware were in I, the race. Actually, this is lower than I think the previous one. I, I literally think the last election we had 12 or 13. I think we're somewhere around 9 or 10. So I still wish that we would have revamped our election system because I don't really like you know, you're choosing two out of that nine or ten, and so somebody's going to win with 15% or 18% or 20%, depending on how divided the yeah. candidates are. But the weird thing about our election, and I don't know how far you've followed it or how closely, is we've got a bunch of people that have been in office before or some yeah. very prominent people. So it's it's kind of a who's who election this time. It is. It's interesting. I do think that there needs to be a change. I don't like – I saw that they were going to start collecting signatures to do that approval voting – I think that's a mistake. Um, that being said, I think they got to do something. Like have have like a first run election and then do like a runoff with the top however many. Right. I think something like that. Well, we formed this commission. Process, they but. did all this work on it. And then when they got the recommendations, they just really didn't do much with it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting thing. Anyway, I brought up yard signs because there was a national sur- survey done. Uh, it was conducted by Shield Co., which is a custom a business they do signage and decor. So I guess they're making these signs. They surveyed uh, 3,000 Americans. Uh, they found, uh, asked them what they think about yard signs, in particular their neighbor's yard signs. A uh, study revealed that 30.4% of Americans, nearly one in three, would be irritated if their neighbor put up a political yard sign. Um, and I'm assuming that's any yard sign. Like that's not, my neighbor put up a Trump sign and I hate Trump. That's just, <laughs> are you annoyed by just the signs in general? And I, I'm probably in that 30%. I think they're, they're kind of dumb. Um, but 
North Dakota is the state least annoyed by them. Only 12.5% of North Dakotans find their neighbors' signs irritating. Is that because we're North Dakota nice or because we're I think it's because we live far away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) There is that. Although I will say this. I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, that is a Trump supporter, and he had signage. And I tell you, he got more flack than any election ever for having a sign, a Trump sign, in the window of his business. Yeah. Putting it, putting it in, uh, putting in a window of a business is a bold well. It's move. it's it's not like a like a retail store though. It's, oh, okay. it's more. It's kind of like I'll, I'll say it's kind of like a management company. Still, most people take pains to sort of keep their business away from their personal politics. You know, for obvious reasons, you don't want people. You don't want to turn away customers or have them feel uncomfortable because of your politics or whatever. But I don't know. I, I listen. I don't like. I don't. I mean, I'm not the sort of person who's going to complain about yard signs. I don't put them up. I think they're kind of dumb, but I always use I'm also the, not going to give somebody grief if they want to put one up. <laughs> I always use the media uh, to my advantage in that particular thing. We have the door knockers that come through our neighborhood, and I'm the first to say, ah, sorry, member of the news, can't put anything up. And You know, you know well, I, yeah, I try that. It doesn't work so well. Because <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm an opinion guy. I, I t- I'll tell you the thing that I do get as a member of the media is every year you get, like, the, the campaign side scandal stories, right? So-and-so had their campaign yard signs stolen or whatever. Mostly, I, I'll tell you, most of those stories are not like nefarious campaign operatives out tearing down yard signs. The campaigns don't care. You know what it mostly is? It's mostly teenagers right? being idiots. All right, more to come here on the Rob Report, 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report, 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. We're talking about Trump and the Nobel Peace Prize thing. If, if you weren't tuned in. Congressman Kramer joining 17 other members of Congress to nominate Donald Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, and we, we talked about this on the program before, whether or not Trump deserves it. It's, and they're nominating him because of his work on North, North and South Korea. And by the way, it's worth noting uh, North Korean uh, President, uh, President Moon saying he feels Trump uh, deserves it. Um, I'm reading this is from the New York Times. Several months ago, South Koreans considered President Trump as dangerous as North Korea's leader, Jim Kim Jong-un, as the two traded threats of nuclear annihilation. Now commentators and others in Seoul think Mr. Trump deserves a Nobel Prize for helping start the unexpected peace process unfolding on the divided Korean peninsula. On Monday, South Korea's President Moon Jae-in, I, I think I'm saying that wrong, uh, said he felt the same. It's really President Trump who should receive it. He said of the Nobel Peace Prize, we can just take peace. Uh, he was quoted by his office as saying, uh, Mr. Moon's endorsement of a Nobel for Mr. Trump, who has faced one ethical scandal after another at home, came as South Korean as the South Korean leader presided over a meeting of his senior presidential staff on Monday. Uh, during the, moon, uh, the meeting, Mr. Moon received a telegram uh, from Lee Hee-ho, uh, Lee a former first lady of South Korea congratulating him for a successful summit meeting with Mr. Kim on Friday and wishing him a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the South Korean president saying Trump deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Jim, you're on the line. What's up? You're, yeah, hi. You say you're talking about yard signs. Oh. Yeah, I got an interesting one for you here. I'm looking at the forum here, and it's this thing about the yard signs. And here they have a picture that says, Valerie Fisk places a school bond sign in a West Fargo yard lot last Friday afternoon. Fisk is leading the community vote yes, vote yes voice committee. Interesting about the sign, it says, vote yes for kids November 17th. 
Well, as far as anything I've seen in the paper as of yesterday, or I think it was even today, they haven't decided on an election date yet for this. So how does she know when the election's going to be? They're still trying to decide whether it's going to be in September, October, or God forbid, on the general election day when you'd have maximum voter turnout. So why is this special interest committee have information for the rest of the citizens do that they can have signs printed up for it already? Well, I don't know. It's a good question. I didn't see that. Have you ever that I didn't who's s- in this voice committee? It's a lot of yeah. business community who tend to benefit from schools being built. That was on the. Um, oh yes, here it is. Okay, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's. Uh, she's putting it on uh, a school bond sign in West Fargo, and yeah, it's got a date on it. Good point. I guess I don't know the answer to that question for you, Jim. It's it's really um, qu- you know it just kind of questions this whole thing about how this stuff occurs and who has the pull and who has and who can make things happen in this town. And well, I'll tell you one thing: she's a realtor, so you know where she stands as far as schools getting built. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's something you need to look into. That is a really interesting question. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Jim. I appreciate it. I don't. I, do you know anything about that, Eric? Like how uh, this? Because I mean, we're talking about a West School Board bond question, and according to Jim, I don't know much about this, but according to Jim, they haven't set a date date yet. But here I am looking at a a picture in the forum. The caption on the picture is Valerie Fisk places a school bond sign in a West Fargo yard last Friday afternoon. Uh, and she's leading the community vote yes committee. Um, how do they have a date? Uh, well, they don't have a date as of yet. That's what they're working on. Well, they're, I guess what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out a specific time. The story that we have is they looked at dates. They had a, uh, a group meeting yesterday, some lunch pail meeting yesterday, and they were thinking about calling a special election either in September or October or possibly putting the referendum on the november 13th general election in the fall but no decision has been made yet the other part of it was is that they have not decided what they're going to need for buildings and they haven't made a final decision and what they're going to ask for for money that is what we had as of this morning i'm 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 just partially caught your conversation not everything of it i'm just wondering if maybe this person had a sign from the last time that there was a referendum and she's just being proactive. Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's an old picture from that last referendum. It's possible. Cause although the, although the caption says last Friday afternoon, it's on, it's on the story that I was just reading about North Dakotans being tolerant of yard signs. And so I think they were just sort of using that photo as a stock example of here's a yard a sign. Photo. Yeah. It might be just an old. And I think, I think maybe, I think maybe it was a photo from the previous bond, yeah, that's what and I'm trying to allude to because nothing said. Was yet. the previous bond election on November seventeenth? Do we know? I think because that's the date that's on the sign. I can't remember. That would be a Jay question because I'm not a West Fargo resident, so yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling. I have a feeling, Jim, that it's an old picture, and they reused it, and and they maybe didn't. They maybe didn't change the caption. I'm going to email Ross Torgerson put that story up. I'm going I was just emailing with Ross a little bit ago. I'm going to email him and check. I have a feeling it was an old photo. They reused the caption from the old photo and the caption was date specific to the previous bond election. I think that's what happened. Cuz I don't I don't think that they would have signs printed up. So I don't I think that's probably what happened? I'll I'll check into that, Jim. Well, well, thanks for the call. I know for a fact November seventeenth probably is not a date. 
November 13th would be the date if they did it in November because they would not yeah. pay for a special election four days away from a general election. That would be right. dumb. Because November, November 13th is the general election. Right. Yep. So that's just that's just nuts. Yeah, I have a feeling it's just an old picture and an old caption. Um, but I'm emailing uh, Ross right now. Uh and we'll see, uh, we'll get an answer. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Here's, here's something, uh, you'll like this, Eric. Uh, I was just reading from, uh, from our colleague, John Hageman, uh, who is the, uh, Capitol reporter for, from News Service. Um, he, um, John wrote, uh, that there was a meeting of the legislature's Employee Benefits Programs Committee at the state capitol today. Uh, now, we actually had yesterday, we had on Senator Dick Dever, there's a lot of discussion about the state's pensions and making long-term changes to that to keep those pensions sustainable. There's going to be some proposed legislation coming up. As a matter of fact, this committee was supposed to meet and review some of that legislation, but there are 13 members on this interim committee. Eric, guess how many showed up for their meeting today? I <laughs> don't know. Five. Really? Wow. Five of 13, short of a quorum to take action. Now, if you think about this, these lawmakers get paid. Uh, they get paid expense. They get paid travel expenses. They get paid meals and everything to travel to Bismarck. Um, now, just because they don't have a, they have a they don't have a quorum doesn't mean they can't still meet and discuss. I think they just can't take action on things. Um, so I think they could still do some business. But what's the point of paying all these lawmakers to go to Bismarck? To me, not enough of them showed up to have a quorum. Uh, and by the way, uh, I, I was looking at, I actually looked this up. I was looking at the meeting notice from North Dakota Legislative Council. At the bottom of the meeting notice, it says, any member, member unable to attend this meeting is asked to notify this office as soon as possible. I'm assuming being that if they don't have enough people show up so that they could cancel the meeting. Uh, so did they not let Legislative Council know what happened here? Uh, but this is... That's not good. That's not good. Little disappointing. Little disappointed in the uh, the amount of effort being put in there by uh, by lawmakers. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Rob Report, nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. Last segment, caller Jim uh, called in, and he was calling about a picture. It, it's a picture that was used in a in a inform article about. North Dakotans being tolerant tolerant of uh, political yard signs. The picture used with that story uh, is of a woman putting in a uh, a sign for the a West Fargo uh, school bond election, uh, and the caption makes it sound because the caption says she was placing the sign last Friday afternoon. Uh, caller called in and said, you know how how could the the sign have a date for the election when an election a date for the the special election hasn't been set yet. Um, my assumption was that it was an old picture, and I'm, I'm feeling more like that. Now, Eric, you spoke with some West Fargo residents in the studio during the break. What did they say about this? Well, the general feeling is is that this is like an old photo, but I, yeah. I, it's still plausible that this woman just has a sign from a previous time and put it up just it was showing support. Uh, it, Although she's described in the caption as being as leading the community vote yes committee, so I, right. that that seems like an unlikely explanation. I, again, I, uh, Jim, I, I, I know and I, I think Jim emailed us again, and he said the last bond in West Fargo was in February. I actually searched the in forum, and I think I found it in 2015. Hmm. 
there was a bond election which took place on November 17th, which is the date on the sign. So I yeah. think what it is, it's a really old picture from 2015. Yep, yep. I yep. think that's what it is. Correct. Because nothing, again, the story we've got today is they're deciding between September, October, or the general election on November 13th. Well, here, I, I also emailed Ross Torgerson, who uh, who wrote that, that article, uh, and I asked him about the picture. And uh, I tell you what, if there's anything else to add, I will post about it at sayanythingblog.com. But at this point, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back to me and say it was an old picture. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Jay Thomas Show, of course, coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Do we know what's on the Jay Thomas Show today? I do not. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to. Does Jay uh, know yet what's uh, going to be on the Jay Thomas He does, but he's show. been kind of wandering the halls. Earlier this morning when he comes yeah. in and to see me at about 10 o'clock, he was still scratching his head. And I know he was downing a second uh, plate of lasagna about 10 minutes ago. So whatever <laughs> it is, it's going to be him moaning about his belly here pretty soon. Yeah, he's going to have a food baby when he comes on. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Ross Torgerson just emailed me back, uh, explaining the uh, caption on that photo. He says, yeah, my bad on that. I often overlook the captions. I updated it. Thanks for the tip. Um, so that was it. Just a, just a, just a mistake. They reused, uh, an old, they reused an old uh, stock photo and uh, forgot to change the caption. So that's the explanation there. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, so yeah, problem solved. That's what, that's what we like here, right? That's what we like <laughs> I just in terms had, of, uh, we just had a caller too. was, you were saying that she said exactly the same, uh, same thing. She said that photo actually ran in the West Fargo pioneer. I think she said it's, it's a, it's a picture from the 2015 special election yeah. referendum vote. anything send it to rob anything in the world <laughs> i will i will promise you will get a answer okay let me ask you this uh, then so are you gonna have a bunch uh-oh. of so when is your cleanup day and, and my not is it has it already happened or you're having it it's or? later this later this month i want to say maybe it's on i have it i have a reminder set out because i have junk i'm going to be dragging okay out. so do you have like a full boulevard planned i mean are people up in the my not area going to be wanting no, to swoop around the uh, i don't rob think Port so House? well first of all first of all i'm not letting i'm not letting the audience know where i live <laughs> um First of all, I, I'm probably not that hard to find, but I'm not advertising it because I have fans out there who I'm not saying they do anything crazy, but I feel like I'd get some eggs on the outside of my I think so. Sometimes. Are they going to be able to see probably. your pile from space? I mean, am I going to be able no. to go up online? It's and not going to be that bad. My daughter, <laughs> I, I, I was just in my daughter's room and she has she has some old furniture and stuff that she needs to get rid of. So we have a couple things like that we're going to get rid of. I have some crap out in the garage that's been sitting there that I need to get rid of. So that's going to be the big, the big spring cleanup for me. Not really, not anything real exciting. I don't, uh, I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't buy that much stuff. I'm 37 years old. I'm still mostly using like secondhand furniture. I'm not a big one for spending money uh, in general. I'm kind of a miser, Eric. Are you a little bit of a miser? I don't buy a lot of stuff. <laughs> I I actually like I'm I'm very spartan i think people walk into my house sometimes they're like uh have you moved in yet 
<laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> I am. I. I just. I don't. I don't like things. You know. I don't. I. I don't. I, see a I lot kind of, use of for them. tried to adopt. I, I, you know, when it, when I go from the spring cleanup through the rest of the year along the way, I am one of those guys. If I got like nuts and bolts or different parts, I'm like, oh, I'm going to save that. I might use it. And then by the time I get to about February, I look everywhere and I'm like, I got a lot of crap. And it's like, if I haven't used it in the last six months, it's going to the curb. So I actually have some furniture I some that of I'm it, donate. Some of it's a gen. I think, our, I think a lot of times like our parents and even like for me, like my grandma passed on, you know, this idea because they lived in a time where A, stuff wasn't as disposable as it is today. Uh, and B, I mean, they held on to everything, right? I mean, they didn't let go of, of anything and, and, and they couldn't. They couldn't let go of something without trying to give it to somebody else. Right. Which, hey, it's good. I think people have a hard time saying no when somebody's giving something away. Like you kind of feel obligated to say yes. I'll take it off. Especially your hand. if it's a relative or a grandparent. Yeah. Stop doing that. You more than likely don't need the junk. <laughs> Jay Thomas show coming up straight ahead. This is the Rob Report. You can always catch me here, twelve to two p.m. Monday through Friday, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnything Blog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.